0: ezekiel 36 right what heart did we have stone Stone. how how you got a stone right there's a stone sitting here does it feel does it love does it beat does it, it it doesn't do anything and so he takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh Which is kind of confusing because we typically think of flesh in the negative sense. But it just means the opposite of stone. It's one that feels, that has affection, that loves, that obeys. And so we we have to understand that this is a divine work of the Spirit of God to, to bring about our love for one another. Which if it's that if it if it well it is that since it's that the number one thing that we ought to do in order to become more lovely more loving to one another is prayer because if it's a divine work of god to to even begin that in us we must have to also understand that we're dependent upon god and his spirit to increase that uh but not without um, discipline, even within ourselves. So brotherly love is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, now okay so now let's go and see in verse two and three how these ways how this love also takes shape. So let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Let's stop there. So do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So do not neglect, meaning don't overlook. This is important. Don't let it. Don't just turn your turn your head to people who are strangers. Um, So, the show hospitality to strangers is actually one Greek word. Now, here's the interesting part about it. So, brotherly love, again, is one Greek word. Uh, Philadelphia. Showing hospitality to strangers is like philozyno, so it uses the same prefix, fondness, as it did to brothers, but now it's—you've heard of—it's a very popular word these days. Xenophobia—that's being af- being afraid of outsiders or foreigners. The xeno, the outsider, the foreigner, the stranger. Well, philate i am not this. No one record my Greek here. The fillet the. The philo Xenon is a fondness towards strangers. So let brotherly love continue, Philadelphia. A fondness towards, a, a brotherly fondness towards your brothers and sisters. Well, do not neglect to show a fondness towards strangers, those outside of you. Um, a couple, a couple things where this takes root. This is Old Testament practice. This is is old law type of stuff. So God had commanded this very thing to Israel. Let's look at two examples in Leviticus. Two examples in Leviticus. Starting in Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34... So in the context of Israel, the stranger, or I don't know, some of your versions may say alien um, or sojourner. Leviticus 19, and 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, so someone outside of you is now within you, within your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. Now, if you think about Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, we've, we've told to be, be fond of our brother. We're also being told to be fond of the stranger. Sort of treat them the same. You shall love him as yourself. Here we go. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And I, the Lord your God. So that makes me think. Now, is it Ephesians 2? When Paul says, you were not a people. But now you are a people. Is that not Philippi- Ephesians 2? Let me think. Yeah, yeah. After the first ten verses, verse eleven in Ephesians two. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. Now that goes into the whole thing about the Jew and the Gentile being one man And now. But the point here, the, the thing that caught my mind as I was thinking through this just now, was that we as people, we were far off. We were, we were strangers to this, um, this commonwealth, the covenants of promise. God didn't make a promise to us. He made a promise to Abraham and to Israel. But ultimately, we know that the, here again, and in, in I guess it's chapter 3 of Ephesians, is that the mystery behind it was that the Gentiles were going to be brought in, fellow heirs, members of the same body. So who are we to say, oh, you're not one of us, stay out. You're a stranger, you're an alien. And so we treat the stranger who sojourns, um as one who is among us a native among us we shall love him as ourselves again we can make a lot of connections to the love of Christ uh, that that we have received so show show this fondness uh, this charity to uh, the strangers to the aliens who are outside of us who have found themselves inside with among uh, w- among us but here's we think of hospitality a lot these days in the context of within our homes, which is right. We want to be hospitable within our homes because when we have people within our homes, we can have this sort of microcosm of what we're seeing here within the church. We, if, if, if we uh, welcome people who not are of our immediate family, we want to treat them as if they are a part of our family we want to show them the love of Christ that we have been shown. And so we want to be hospitable. We want to be show fondness to them. But in all this, when we are hospitable, whether we think of it in a larger context or in a smaller context within our homes, we have to think about the love of Christ towards us. Especially, I like to think of Philippians 2, because what did he do in his love? But he emptied up. he emptied himself. He gave himself. And so in, in showing hospitality to a stranger, you have to be willing to give um, either your time, your resources, your just having conversation, pleasant conversation, uh, food, maybe spending money on, per, on, on the basis of being hospitable. Uh, Look at Leviticus 23 now. Verse 22. And when you reap the harvest, Leviticus 23 verse 22... And when you reap the harvest of your land, speaking to Israel again, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, the stranger, the alien. I am the Lord your God. So, there's an act of not consuming all that is rightfully yours for the sake of hospitality to someone who might be sojourning in your land. You're emptying yourself in some sense to that, willing to give of yourself for the sake of someone, a stranger. Now, if you love yourself... If you love your stuff, this is really difficult. If, you're, if we're having trouble with brotherly love here, we're going to have even probably more trouble... Showing hospitality in whatever situation, whatever scenario. Because the idea of brotherly love is that you're willing to give yourself for the sake of the good of someone else. Same in hospitality. You must be willing to consider the interest of others before yourself. Now he says, we go back to Hebrews 13. That made me, as I was thinking through that, it it made me think of something. I won't, we won't go there. Something John said in First John: "Don't love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him." So, I mean, if you're loving, if you're loving the stuff and you're unwilling to empty yourself or give of yourself, there's no way that you can be hospitable. But he says, "Neglect to, sh- or do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers." For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So the big question that comes to your mind is this: literal or is this figurative? Are are is this a real literal possibility or is this just a um, a figurative statement to uh, make the point and how we ought to be? loving strangers just shout your thoughts literal or figurative. <coughs> Nobody's got thoughts just I, I say it doesn't make a difference either way as far as the application goes because I think there's some biblical basis to what he's what he's getting at. Um, any stories pop into your mind biblical stories? I mean, it literally happened in the Old Testament. It literally happened in the Old Testament, right? Several times. So. Right, but especially... So remember... Um, uh, angels and actually the Lord Himself came to Abraham in Genesis 18. Uh, and He He literally entertained, showed hospitality to them. They made them food and, and you know, and they, they went the whole nine yards. But then... After that, well, where were those? Where were the, the, the two angels going after that? Yeah. Remember so- Sodom and Gomorrah. So who entertained them there? Lot. Well, he, right. It was as a as a. Yeah. So Lot entertained these these two men. Um, and he was entertaining angels. Uh, so we, we, very, very likely that who, the the writer here has um, has that story in mind. Uh, but is there a New Testament teaching or parable that might also pop into our mind when we think about entertaining? Um, Somebody unaware. Jesus and Matthew 25. Let's look at it. Jesus and Matthew 25. Having a hard time here. So, beginning in verse 31, um, we're speaking of the final judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, verse 31, and all the angels with him, then he will set on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people. One from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and... And you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to them. Did it to me. So. Did they literally. Give Jesus a drink of water. Did they literally feed him? Remember what Jesus said to Paul then Saul on the road to Damascus Saul why are you persecuting me Look at look at, go to uh, Acts 8 Verse 1, Stephen has just been murdered, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now go to chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Now look at verse 4. Verse 3. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So. Go back to Hebrews 13. We have to move forward a little bit to see something here. Verse 3 Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. You persecute the body, you persecute the head. You feed the body, you feed the head. This is one of the glorious realities of being joined to the head. Is Our suffering is His suffering. His joy is our joy. So, literally, literally, figuratively, I don't think it matters. I think the reality is the thing that we need to understand here. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. I'm fairly sure we can be confident that we're—he's—we're still in the vein of brotherly love towards the saints. We're still serving the body. We're serving the body whom has come in amongst us. Okay, verse 3, which we read. And I'll tell you this. I was trying to make that point as I was writing these notes down. And I thought, there is a passage I've looked at all week that says, and, um, and you also are in the body. I looked at every verse that I had looked up this week trying to find it. And then it hit me. It's two verses down, you dummy. It was right there. (laughs) Or one verse down. Okay, so remember those who are in prison and those mistreated. We can't forget the context of this letter, this sermon. In Hebrews 10, we're told very plainly of this very thing. Verse 32 in chapter 10. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partnered with those so treated, or we could say mistreated. Verse 34: For you had compassion on those in prison. Now there's a there's a difference of translation from most moderns to the KJV. Um, and I'd be curious, what does the NKJV say for 34? You had compassion on those or on me? 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 So, just for a little bit of understanding, I I'm not I'm definitely not smart enough to understand this, but I read in I can't remember where it was that there the the Vulgate, the Latin Vulgate, which was the Latin version of the New Testament, if I'm if I read this correctly, had translated this way, for you had compassion on me in chains or in prison. Um, but most most commentaries post uh, even the K, even the King James, which was written in the sixteen hundreds. Um, saw that as for those in prison. Uh, because for the, you had compassion on those, on me in prison, was one of the major driving forces to make Paul the author of Hebrews. But all the new, all the the, the most recent copies that have been found um Which are actually older. I believe make the phrase. For you had compassion on those in prison. Not on me in prison. That doesn't make a bit of difference. But if it is on those in prison. Then the reality was. Is that the writer of Hebrews was saying. You've got brothers and sisters in prison. Um, You need to remember them. You cannot forget them. Because they're in there because of their faith. And even if it's Paul, if that, or if it is the writer who was remembered in prison, again, he was there for the sake of Christ. And so it really doesn't matter either, either way, but um, sometimes it's helpful to kind of understand the variations and translations uh, and interesting to look at. But the point really, I think the point here, because he speaks of being in prison but also those mistreated, very much is a true reality that the audience of this letter had been mistreated for the sake of their faith. And he was telling them, remember them. They're out of sight, right? So very easily could they be out of sight, out of mind, and forgotten. Uh, but we, but he makes it very clear why they shouldn't. And it's, again, it's because they are united to them as a part of the body. Uh, since you also are in the body. Bear one another's burdens, right? That's brotherly love. They're imprisoned because of their faith. Bear their burden. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Why? Because we are of one body. And again, I think back to um, Jesus telling Paul, Hey, you're persecuting me when the church, the disciples were the ones under that physical persecution. So remember those who are prison. Now this one's kind of out of context for us because we don't have any in America quite yet. Um, those who are in prison. now Canada came real close last year and actually I think they might still have some pastors in Canada who are behind bars because of certain things, uh, because of pastors holding to uh, the Scripture in civil disobedience to the government. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, I, I, in good hearts, a lot of prison ministries have been formed based on this verse. Uh, it's not its true intent, but doesn't mean that prison ministries are are any way out of, out of step biblically. Actually, um, Justin was looking into us trying to get into Calico Rock to see if there was any availability for us to be able to minister to the prisoners at Calico Rock. Um, but it very, it very much is clear, since they also are in the body, that it is the saints who have been imprisoned for their faith, more than likely and mis, been mistreated, so we can we can bear the burden prayerfully for Kazakhstan, because they very much are could be imprisoned and being mistreated for the sake of their faith. Um, and man, how distant does that feel? How far away does Kazakhstan feel? I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. I mean, it, it's. It's. I mean, we could just not think about it. We could choose not to think about the persecuted church across the world and wouldn't know any different. But I think we would be, we'd be failing our, our own body. If you think about it that way, that would be like your right hand's getting cut off and you're like, man, I'm not going to do anything about it. I mean, that's, that's taking the point really far, but that's the point it's one body and one is mistreated uh, we must remember them we must, we must not forget them and so it's good to be informed about the body that is being mistreated throughout the whole world okay um, that's as far as I wanted to get tonight there is Is one more thing in Hebrews that I wanted I didn't point out this morning when it comes to what it looks like, what what brotherly love looks like, what shape it takes, and it's Hebrews ten, verse twenty four and twenty five. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near so what shape does brotherly love take just showing up is a start being regular to meet together like that's that's very basic but It's a very crucial step of just being present with one another. Not neglecting to meet together. Now, you could just be here physically and be checked out spiritually. That's of no use. But it takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes sometimes sacrifice to move week by week and to be present. Um, like we're not we're not saying it's life threatening or anything like that, but definitely is a lot of self denial there and being faithful to meeting together with the saints week by week and when opportunity presents itself. So that's a very small thing. But I would even imagine, even if you feel checked out spiritually, and you show up physically, you might be surprised how beneficial that is to the rest of the saints. You just don't know. You just don't know. Okay. That concludes... That section, and Lord willing, like I said, we'll come back to verse 4 next Sunday morning. Any thoughts or comments? Yeah, I think worship, uh, I touched on that, uh, I think last week, that worship uh, does have physical uh, benefits. And not only spiritual benefits, but physical benefits. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. Uh, don't forget to throw your bullets away, so you don't look at the calendar on the back of it. But other than that, um, <laughs> let, let's pray and we'll we'll dismiss. Father, uh, we hang on to the promise that Your word does not return void, and we ask that You would continue to teach us and transform us and help us. We ask that you forgive us in our lack of love for one another and increase our understanding of your love and our loving your son for your glory in Jesus name. Amen.